And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to the Burns and Allen show starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Then it's a sci-fi radio drama on Dimension X. We are in the midst of tuning into the Burns and Allen show, so why don't we tune this in? The conclusion now of King George Becomes a Royal Pain, going back to January 26, 1943, for the conclusion of the Burns and Allen show. Imperialism. Gracie, I've had about all I can stand of this thing. People on the street are staring at me like I'm some kind of a freak. What did you do? Phone everybody in town about this? Well, George, on my word, I only mentioned it to two people, the Times and the Examiner. <laughs> well, this tops everything you've ever done. You've made me the laughing stock of this whole town. Oh, well, let them laugh. They laughed at all great kings. Julius Caesar, Frederick the Great, Henry VIII. They even laughed at William of Orange. But if he hadn't invented them, where would the state of California be? <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about it. I'm going up to my room. Oh, very well, Your Highness. Stop calling me Your Highness. Of all the ridiculous, idiotic stunts she's ever pulled. I'm almost sorry I didn't marry the Adagio dancer in Scranton after all. <laughs> Fine king I am. Can't even can't even go to a show when I want to. Say, wait a second. A king can do no wrong, can he? How about that? Oh, George, so, I just... Oh, hello, queen. Uh, how's every little thing? Oh, aren't you mad at me anymore? Oh, no, 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 no. <clears throat> My majesty has been thinking things over. If I'm a king, I'm a king, that's all. Well, sure. And a king can do no wrong, right? Right. Uh, good. Um, now, about going out with the fellas tonight to see Tassel's Latour, I think my royal self needs a little diversion. Oh, well, then by all means go, your majesty. Who am I to tell a great king what to do? Well, hallelujah. Long may I rule. <laughs> Boy, this is the life. Is your majesty quite contented? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Everything is lovely. Would your majesty care for another cigar? Oh, no, no, no. The, the two I'm smoking now are fine. <laughs> is that pillow comfortable for your royal head? Oh, yes. Is that footstool comfortable for your royal feet? Oh, sure. Is that chair comfortable? <laughs> Yes, everything is comfy. Ah, oh boy, this is the life. A king can eat what he pleases, do what he pleases, go where he pleases. Like, say, to a show with the fellows, huh? 
Well, of course, sire. Oh, boy, this is the life. Would your majesty care to partake of a light snack? There's a T-bone steak in the royal icebox. Steak? How did you manage to get a steak from the butcher? Oh, it was no trouble. The count was delighted to let me have one. The butcher is a count? He is now. I made him a count in exchange for the steak. <laughs> I see what you mean. Oh, yes, I knighted him. It was a lovely ceremony. He knelt down and I tapped him on the head with a cleaver. Uh, must have been pretty. Oh, yes, uh, yes. I also got a tin of coffee from the Marquis of A&P. Well, that's nice. <laughs> And a quarter of a pound of butter from the Earl of Safeway. Mm. <laughs> Don't tell me that you haven't made somebody a baron. No, not yet. But it'll either be Baron Magnan or Baron Bullock, oh. whichever one gets nylons in first. <laughs> well, I guess I'll go upstairs and start dressing. Uh, how soon will the, will the uh, tailor be through pressing my suit? Oh, your suit's been back here for 20 minutes. Really? Say, that's quick service. Oh, yes. Lord Gopar brought it over himself. Uh, him too, huh? Oh, he was thrilled when I made him a lord. Really? He said it was the only way he could think of that his wife could become a lady. Well, I'm glad she finally made it. Well, farewell, my queen. I'm going upstairs and shave my royal kisser. Yes, Your Majesty. I'm expecting Count Goodwin and Sir Fatso Whiteman any minute. <laughs> So, uh, tell the boys to wait. Very good, Your Majesty. Uh, by the way, Goodwin doesn't think that you let me go out tonight. So, straighten him out on that, Queenie. My imperial self will re-imperial in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm sitting in top of the world. Oh, I do wish he weren't going to see that show with the boys. Still, that tassels Latour is royalty, too. She's advertised as the Queen of Quiver. <laughs> Hello, Gracie. Oh, hello, Bill. Say, uh, about George going out with you tonight... Oh, now, Gracie, please let George go with Paul and me. He's been looking forward to this for weeks. You, you don't appreciate what a thrill he gets when the curtain goes up and there we are on the stage demonstrating swan soap. Oh, so you're going to demonstrate swan soap tonight? Oh, sure, sure. You know, swan, the new white floating soap that's purer than the finest Castiles. You know, money can't buy a purer soap. But why do you need uh, George and Paul Whiteman? Oh. Well, um, uh, after I break Swan in two, they each hold half a bar, you see. Uh, George represents the kitchen sink and Whiteman is the tub. Oh, oh, I see. And um, where are you going to hold this demonstration? Where? Yes. Uh, why, uh, at the Elks. The Elks? Oh, yes, of course. You see, um, Elks are men and... Um, Men have wives, uh, wives are women, and uh, women have long considered Castile soaps the standard of purity, but Swan is even purer than the finest Castiles. Swan is so pure that it's kind to a little baby's tender skin. That's why thousands of mothers use Swan to bathe their babies. Oh, is Tassel's Latour an elk? And if Swan is kind to a baby's tender skin, then you know it must be wonderful for your hands and face, your tub or shower, and always remember... What did you say? Tassel's Latour. Well, th then you know where we're going tonight. Oh, sure. Well, Gracie, why'd you go to all that trouble to make a dope out of me? It wasn't much trouble, Bill. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, then you don't object to George going, huh? Well, I couldn't object. George is a king. 
Oh, I see. <laughs> George thought I didn't know he goes to burlesque shows, but he never fooled me. Oh, really? Well, what gave you the tip-off? Well, I came home one day, and when I took off my hat and coat, he applauded. <laughs> Yeah, that was a little suspicious, I <laughs> But think. he's free to do anything he likes now. A king can do no wrong. Gee, that's pretty soft. I suppose he'll be staying in bed every morning till 10 o'clock. Well, why should being a king make him get up two hours earlier? <laughs> oh, pardon me. Come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Postman. Aren't you working awfully late? This is a social call, Mrs. Burns. I thought you might be interested in what those family tree people told me. Oh, you got yours too, huh? Are you descended from a long line of mailmen? No, Mrs. Burns. I'm descended from Ivan the Terrible. (laughs) But that makes you a king too. George isn't the only one. Oh, no. Everybody in the neighborhood who sent in 50 cents turned out to be a king. No. Yes, I think those family treat people are dishonest, if you'll pardon such vigorous language. Oh, how awful. I just thought you ought to know about it. Good night, Mrs. Burns. Bill, did you hear that? We may not be royalty at all. And all those titles I gave out. Now I'll have to unload the tailor and discount the butcher. Oh, now, 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 Gracie, take it easy. I'm sure George is a king and he can prove it. As soon as he gets back from the show. Hurry up, George. Hi, kids. Oh, hello, Paul. George will be ready in a minute. Oh, Paul, did you hear what happened? I sent away 50 cents for George's family tree, and now I... I uh, say, I sent away for that thing myself. Oh, and are you a king, too? No, I just sent him a quarter. I'm only a lousy duke. <laughs> oh, now, now I know it's a fake. George isn't a king at all. I'm going to investigate this. Oh, yes, Gracie, by all means investigate it. First thing tomorrow morning. Hurry up, George. Ah, greetings, my faithful subjects. You may hold the door open, my queen. His majesty is ready to mingle with the common people. Get away from that door, George Burns. Have a care, my good woman. This is no way to address a king. You're no king. Huh? Sit down. Oh, yes, dear. You're staying home with me. Yes, dear. And take one of those cigars out of your mouth. Yes, yes, dear You made up this whole thing just so you could see Tassel's Latour I made it up? Yes, you better go into the kitchen and look at the curtains They've got the only tassels you're going to see tonight Uh, George, would you take this can of waste kitchen fat down to the butcher? Oh, I'll be glad to You know, the government needs waste fats to make bombs and bullets Oh, sure, sure, I'll be glad to take it, Gracie And if... I don't come back in an hour or two. Don't worry. No, I won't. I took that ticket out of your pocket. I'll be back in ten minutes. <laughs> the makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your CBS station again next week, same time. Now remember, George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS, next Tuesday night. And now till next week, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I, Swan, how about you? Good night. <laughs> And you just heard the Burns and Allen show from January 26, 1943. And who doesn't love a comedy, Carl? Yeah, I know you do. You like the the comedies. And Mel Blanc in that cast, of course, the man with a thousand voices. Clarence Nash and then Bill Goodwin doing the announcing, sponsored by Swan Soap. 
as heard on the Columbia Broadcasting System. Burns and Allen. Um, all right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf, uh, sitting to the right of me, the lovely Lisa. And it's time, Lisa, to rocket into the future. It's time for Dimension X, one of radio's first adult science fiction series, made its mark by adapting short stories by acknowledged masters in the field, including Isaac Asimov, Robert Block, Ray Bradbury, Frederick Brown, Robert A. Heinlein, and others. And the stories were adapted by screenwriters Ernest Canoy and George Lefferts, who also contributed their own original scripts. Now, at the start of every broadcast, host Norman Rose promised us adventures in time and space told in future tense. And you knew you were about to be transported from your everyday existence to somewhere completely different, maybe even a distant planet. Now, uh, radio was a fertile medium for science fiction. It was easy to visit other planets and interact with aliens or uh, fly to a rocket ship simply through your imagination. And Dimension X debuted April 8, 1950, completed its run September 29, 1951, including a five-month hiatus in the middle. We have an episode now of Dimension X from April 8, 1950. This stars Joe DeSantis in The Outer Limit. Let's tune this in. Dimension X. Adventures in Time and space told in future tense. Dimension X. Can you predict what will come in 100 years, or in 10, or in the next minute? Some people think they can. Nuclear scientists, mathematicians, astronomers, biologists. They'll predict the shape of the future. Why? Because they make the future. Because they see beyond the known dimensions of time and space. Into the unknown. Dimension X. We go ahead now in time to 1965. We're on a vast concrete runway set in the desert of the southwest. A giant metal ship stands before us, prow pointed for the stars. And in five minutes, the signal will flash, and it will tear up through the atmosphere to the outer limit. Attention. Attention. Rear field for takeoff. Rear field. Five minutes, Steve. For right. takeoff. Where are up, Charlie? And they're over. I want to go over procedure again, Steve. Don't worry, I got it straight. You just make sure. Okay. I take her up on jets to 50,000, then I cut in the rocket. No lower, or your tail blast will burn out three counties. I climb four minutes on rockets, then start maneuver tests. Remember that, no more than four minutes. Right. This ship isn't like those strata rockets you've been testing. She's the first one built for outer space. If she works, she can go clear to the moon. If I'd have known that, I'd have brought my toothbrush. Well, not this trip. Now get this, Steve. You've got power there to clear the Earth's gravitational field. But remember, after you cut in the rockets, you've only got ten minutes fuel. If you go beyond the outer limit and don't save fuel for the return... I know, I won't get down again. That's right, Steve. You'll drift off into space. Get that now. Ten minutes fuel. Gotcha. As far as I'm concerned, this project is a lot more important than that cosmic ray bomb they're testing out in the Pacific tonight. Well, Security Commission brass doesn't think so. I don't see any undersecretaries under anything. Don't worry. 
In the long run, our ship will make the CR bomb back page stuff. But in the meantime, it's just as dangerous. Remember, half the principles in this ship are pure theory, Steve. Slide rule stuff. If anything goes wrong, we may have to scrape you off the landscape with a soup spoon. You have a charming sense of humor. Well, here's what I'm getting at. We're risking your neck in this test. If anything blows, we don't want to have the next man pull the same boner. I know, Hank. So keep your mic open and keep talking. If anything goes wrong, we want to know exactly why. And we won't be able to ask you. Let us know before you pull every switch. Before you do anything. You got that? Yeah. Even if you only have to blow your nose. All right, get those fuel lines away. Okay, Mr. Crow. Well, I guess that's about all, Steve. Hey, that reminds me. Look, if Mary calls, I'm just up on a milk run. I didn't tell her today was it. How is she? She's okay, but she's due about now, and I don't want her to be nervous. Hey, I didn't know the baby was that close. Yeah? Steve, I, I really ought to be sending a single man on this job. What, and cut me out of a soft paycheck? Forget it, Hank. You know, you can't get anybody else who can take 15 G's acceleration when those rockets cut in. Yeah, I know. It's time, Steve. Yeah. Well, see you later. Don't worry, Hank. I'll sweat for both of us. Button her up, Shelly. So long, Hank. So long. We'll give you the light from control. Okay, Steve. Got you on the speaker. I'm ready to go. Mr. Hanson. Ready on radar, Sergeant? Check. Mr. Hanson, you better see this. What is it, Elsa? Message center for Steve. Mrs. Weston just left for the hospital. What? Hello, Steve. Yeah. Stand by a minute. Shall we hold the takeoff, Mr. Hanson? What? Oh, yes. Uh, no, wait, wait just a minute. It's uh, it's too late now. You going to tell him? Maybe he's got enough to worry about. Hey, what's holding us up, Hank? Something on your mind? No, no, it's, uh, it's nothing, Steve. I just wanted to say good luck. Clear for takeoff, Charlie? Right. Okay. Give him the light. All right, Steve. I'm reading you clear. I'm at 40,000. Airspeed 600. She's running fine. Soundproofing works. Still climbing. Altitude, 297 miles. All right, you're at the outer limit. Level off for maneuver test. You've got exactly six minutes fuel left. Okay. Starting a three-degree left bank. It's a little 
sluggish. That's all right now. There's a low vibration someplace. Maybe the cockpit hatch. Now I'm straightening out. Five minutes fuel left. Now I'm starting a three-degree ru- Hey! What's the matter? What's wrong? There's something up here. Something shining. What are you talking about? There's something above me, Hank. I'm going to chase it. Steve! Steve, you're at the outer limit now. I can see it plain now. Steve, don't go any higher. You've only got four minutes left. You've only got... It's static. I can't hear you, Hank. It's dead ahead now. I'm going to make a pass at it. Get a good look. Hey, it's swerving to meet me. It's dead ahead now. It's dead ahead. Steve. Steve, come in. Nine minutes, fuel gone. Still no sign on radar. Hello, hello, Steve. Steve, what's happened? Charlie, get out the crash squad. Tell the Army squadron to alert their search planes. Right. Nine and a half minutes crash gone. Squadron. Hello. Hello, Steve. Squadron. What's happened? Well, Where the devil is it? Charlie, hello. Mr. Hanson. Come in, Steve. We need a search squadron. Come in. No, Mr. Hanson's busy. Hello. Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. Ten minutes, Mr. Hanson. It's the end of this fuel. How long's it been now? Ten hours, Mr. Hanson. Nothing more on radar, Sergeant? Screen's blank. Colonel Corelli called in. Search planes are back. They didn't find anything. Should be some trace. Couldn't have bailed out, could he? You don't hit the silk at 4,400 miles an hour. Either went past the outer limit, ran out of fuel, something blew, and we'll find the pieces scattered from here to the coast. Why does it have to be the best man? Always the best man. I'll get it. Charlie... Charlie, yes, we you know, we've got to That's figure right. out what was wrong. Yes. All right, I'll tell you. Something, something right. must have blown. Yeah. There's a message from Northside Hospital for, for Steve. Well, what is it? Mrs. Weston's fine. It's a boy. Thank you, Elsie. It's a boy, Charlie. Oh. Fine. Fine. It's a boy. He didn't even know she went to the hospital. How am I going to tell Mary that? Wasn't your fault, Mr. Hanson? Ship had to be tested. Yeah, yeah, we'll build another one, and some other flying fool will shoot past the outer limit into space. Oh, I'm getting old, Charlie. You can remember when I used to take him up myself. Now I've got to send other men. It's a job, Mr. Hanson. Now I'm afraid. Every time I hear a jet go off, I jump. Every time I have to send someone up in a new model, I start to sweat. Mr. Hanson? Yeah? I think there's something on the radar. No flight scheduled in either, Elsie. We have the whole day cleared. It's coming in behind us. Here it comes over the building. What crazy jockey is buzzing the field like that? Is that an army plane, Charlie? I can't see. It's turning. Charlie, alert the field. I know that engine. Steve. That's impossible. Look, that's a ship. It can't be. There was no other model like that. It's Steve, all right. It's coming in. Thank God. Thank God.
That's the first portion of Dimension X from April 8, 1950 with The Outer Limit, starring Joe DeSantis. Let's take a break. Then when we come back, it's more on Dimension X. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. It's time now for the conclusion to The Outer Limit on Dimension X from April 8, 1950, starring Joe DeSantis. get this done, the quicker you get over to see Mary and the baby. Hank. Elsie, give the order to check and refuel the rockets. I don't want anybody in here till I get Steve's reports. Bury any calls. All right, let's have it. What the devil happened to you? Hank, does that cosmic ray bomb still go off tonight? What are you talking about? Straighten out, Steve. Where have you been for the last ten hours? Listen, Hank, there's something more I'm... Come on, come on. I've got to get a report on the screen to Washington, so let's have it. I've got to know how you stretch ten minutes fuel to keep you in the air for ten hours. Now, one thing before I talk. Look, Steve. Have the Geiger men run over the ship before they refuel. What'd you run into? So help me, Hank, I don't know. We better check and make sure it isn't radioactive. Elsie, add a Geiger report on the standard check. Steve, maybe we better have the doc look you over, too. No, no, I'll be all right. They said I'd be all right. They? Look, son, I know you've had a tough time, but we've had this field on the alert for ten hours. One of the army boys cracked up looking for you, and he's hurt bad. So let's have the story. Let's have it straight. I don't know how to tell you. Hank, I saw something up there. At 300 miles? I chased something up there, Hank, and I caught it. Now, don't hand me that, Listen, Steve. I was cruising along, just starting the right bank, when I spotted something. It must have been going about half my speed. It was egg-shaped and smooth. I made a pass at it, and I was coming back for another, and then there was a humming sound. Humming? A sort of vibration. And I blacked out. I was headed straight for it at 4,400 miles an hour. I thought it was going to be the biggest smash since Hiroshima, and... Hank, is there a drink in that bottle? Never mind that, Steve. What happened? I came to inside their ship. Uh Uh-huh. Steve, this whole thing has been a devil of a strain on you. I'm going to call Major Donaldson from the Army base. Ask him to sit in. Psychiatrist? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let him run his test. He'll tell you I'm not kidding. Because, Hank, unless I miss my guess, I've just been tipped off to the way the world ends. All right, Mr. Weston, suppose you continue your story. Yes, let's have it, Steve. You woke up inside the ship? Yes, and uh, the place was jammed with machinery. Dials, blinkers. I couldn't recognize anything. And you were surrounded by these men from Mars. I didn't say anything about men from Mars. I didn't even say they were men. I couldn't see them clearly. They were just there. Where did they come from then? Another galaxy. Millions of miles outside of our solar system. That's all I know. You figure out where they came from. And they came all that distance to find the Earth? Yes. Did they tell you that? Yes. You mean they spoke English to you? No, no, they didn't. It's funny. hadn't thought. They didn't really speak to me at all. They just planted the thoughts in my mind. You mean thought transference, telepathy? Yes, that's right. Well, Steve, what brought them here? We did, Hank. We rang their bell. We brought them in. Well, how? 
with our atomic explosions. Hank, that's why you've got to stop that bomb test tonight. Uh, I'll give up. Look, you've got to believe me, Hank. Oh, how can I make you understand? Maybe I can help, Mr. West. Would you submit to narco-psychometry? What's that? Under proper drugs, I can put you back in this, uh, ship. By suggestion. Then we can get a playback record of your memory pattern on the audio circuit. How long will that take? Half an hour. We'll have to go over to the lab. Will you believe me if it checks? It will give us an accurate memory picture of what your mind reports. All right, let's go. Hank, you got to believe me. We haven't got much time. You should be getting drowsy now. Count backwards from ten. Attach the head plate electrodes. The cortical pickup. Look out for that wire, Mr. Henson. Rio setting. 31.3. Now throw that switch, Mr. Henson. I have to start him off by suggestion. All right, Steve. You're in your ship now. You're in the rocket. You're in the rocket. You're in the rocket. And you've just sighted something strange. Now I'm starting at three degree right. What's that? Hey, there's something up here. Something shining. His memory pattern. We're picking it up electronically. There's something above me, Hank. I'm going to chase it. It's piped through the audio circuits. I'm getting static. I can't hear you, Hank. This is where we lost contact with him. I'm going to make a pass at it and... Hey, it's swerving to meet me. It's not ahead now. It's not ahead. Now, but This is where he blacked out. There's no telling how long, minutes or hours. What's that noise? I don't know, quiet. What? How did I get in here? What? Who are you? Is he seeing things? Intergalactic patrol? What's that? What are they saying, Steve? What are they saying? It's about nuclear fission. They know about it. They know the danger of it. Long ago, they had wars that almost destroyed them. But finally, they learned. Now they've outlawed war. Go on, Steve. They patrol space. When their detector picks up an atomic explosion, they send a patrol. What are they going to do? They've quarantined us. Quarantined? They've isolated the Earth. Because we don't know how to control ourselves yet. And until we learn, we'll be a menace to the whole universe. What is this nonsense? How are they going to do it, Steve? They've spread a layer out here of... I don't know how to call it. All around the Earth. It's miles deep. When there's an atomic explosion on Earth, the radioactive particles will drift up to this layer... And set off a chain reaction. It'll go around the world in microseconds. 
And that's the end. The end? What's he... Wait, wait. Yes. Yes. I understand. I've got to bring back the warning. You're going to put me back in my ship to bring the warning. Now what? Blacked out again. I guess that's all. What does all that mean? It's what he remembers. Don't think that really happened. No, no. Narcosachometry circuits produce what he remembers. It just means that Steve believes this happened. I don't uh, like to see this. Uh, I've seen too many tough uh, pilots snap. Steve is the best I've known. How bad do you think he is? Frankly, outside of the presence of this well-organized hallucination, there's no sign of unbalance. May not be too serious. If he had a more plausible story, I'd be inclined to believe Warning. him. Warning. Hank. It's all right, boy. Did you hear it, Hank? You understand? Sure, sure. We've, we've been quarantined. Now let me give you something to make you sleep, Steve. But don't you understand? They fixed it so that if we set off one more nuclear explosion, that'll be it. Of course. Don't roll your sleep down. You don't believe me. Now, take it easy, Steve. But the test tonight. They're setting off the CR bomb. Hank, what time is it? 11.20. Well, it's scheduled for midnight. Hank, we've got to stop that bomb. Steve, let Donaldson give you the hypo. Hank, you've got to believe me. I saw them. I got the warning. If we touch off that bomb tonight, it'll be the biggest galactic 4th of July of all time. The whole Earth will go up like a Roman candle. April 10th, 1965, the end. Now, look, Steve, you better calm down. Don't you want to see Mary and the baby? You've got a new son, remember? Yeah, that's just it, Hank. I want to see my son. I want him to live. If that bomb goes off, Hank, we've got to stop them. Mr. Hanson, I think we'd better get over to the base hospital. Hank, you've got to believe me. Yeah, sure, sure, Steve. Maybe there is something to it. Look, it's out of your hands. I'll put it in a report and shove it into Washington in the morning. In the morning? There isn't going to be any morning, Hank. Don't you understand? You've got to call Washington now. Get the head of the security commission and postpone that test. Now, you know I can't do that, Steve. My neck would be out a mile. Besides, this is 1965, not 45. Twenty countries have atomic bombs now. What's the use of stopping just this one? The rest will keep right on popping them. Well, then we'll have to call an international conference. Can't you understand, Hank? The first one that goes off finishes us at the end. They've given us the quarantine warning. Steve, I think you'd better go with us to the base hospital. Look, Steve. We can call up for a detail if we have to. All right, all right. I'll go with you. You don't need a straight jacket. That's the way, Steve. You'll probably feel better by morning. Let's go. Well, Steve, tomorrow I'll drive you over to the hospital to see Mary and the kid. Sure. Look at the ship under the floodlights. Pretty, huh? You'll be flying her again soon, don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, what you doing out in the line? The, uh, refueler? Yeah, we've got Clausewitz coming in tomorrow from Denver for another test. I figured we'd give you a day off. That's good. That's fine. Steve! Steve, come back! Come on, Donaldson. Steve! Steve, wait! He's heading for the rockets! Look, there he goes up! That crazy fool! You can't get at him now. That covers armor glass. He's waving. Yeah, towards control. It's the radio. He means the radio. Come on. I should have gotten help. Oh, the radio's still hooked up here. Hello. Hello, Steve. Listen to me, Hank. 
You gotta call Washington now. Come out of that rocket, Steve. I'll call my men. Don't Hank. try anything, Hank. They refueled the rocket for tomorrow. Take it easy, Steve. Listen, you know what'll happen when I fire the rocket tubes down here? Steve, don't. It'll burn out every building for five miles. All of us in one big blast. Steve, what do you want? You've got to stop that bomb. You've got to call Washington right now. They won't believe me. You make that call or I cut in the rocket. Now, I mean it, Hank. I hope my screen to yours in parallel. I want to see exactly what you're doing. All right, all right. Just don't fire those rockets. Get going, Hank. You've got 12 minutes to make that call and stop that bomb. All right, I'm making the parallel hookup right now. Donaldson, you think he'll really blast? I don't know. Up to now, I'd almost say he was normal, but now he's liable to do anything, Hanson. Steve. Steve, there. Are you getting it on your screen? Yeah. Now, put that call through. All right. Operator. Visit screen to Washington. The visit screen circuits are busy, sir. If you'll try again in half an hour. This is security commission priority. Break in and get me a line. Yes, sir. Just a moment, please. Ten minutes, Hank. Listen, Steve, I'm trying. We're ready to take your call, sir. Uh, Washington, security commission three. This is urgent. I want Undersecretary Herbert Ames. Washington, three. One moment, please. Hurry, will you? One moment, please. What time is it, Donaldson? 11.51. Do you think he'll fire those rockets? He might. Washington? This is screen three. Mr. Herbert Ames, please. That is a coded exchange. I cannot accept your call without clearance. Get it through, Hank! Listen, Washington, put it through. This is Mr. Hansen at San Marco Air Base. This is a priority call. I'm coded. One moment, please. I will check your code number. You get that through, Hank, or that bomb goes off at 12. Will you be reasonable, Steve? I... Your call has cleared, San Marco. Washington, visit screen three. Herbert Ames, please. Security Commission Ames. Listen, Ames. Hello, Hans. Ames, you've got to get me to the chief. Are you kidding? He's at the test control room. Yes, I know, but get him for me. What's up? You look lousy. Or is it a bad circuit? There's no time. I've got to get him before the test. It's about the CR bomb. I can't take that responsibility. Get that through, Hank. Right, Blake. Hey, what's going on there? Ames, my project has a high enough rating. This is a priority A call. What? Well, okay, it's your neck. I'll try to get him for you. He's in the control room, so you'll have to switch off your screen and speaker and go on earphones. Too much going on in there. You hear that, Steve? I've got got to cut the incoming screen. All right, but don't try anything. Eight minutes, Hank. Hello? Hello? What? You got him, Hank? Yes. This this is Hanson at San Marco. No, sir, priority A request to cancel the bomb test. No, no, I'm serious. This is deadly serious. We sent the X2JTR up today to the outer limit. We uncovered evidence. Yes, on the automatic instruments. What's that? No possible chain reaction. No, I, I can't tell you the whole story. There isn't time here. Yes, yes, I, I'll bring the readings into Washington in the morning. You've got to postpone the test till you see them. Look, I've worked on contracts for the commission for ten years. Yes, yes, I have complete confidence in my information. You can record that. All right, I, I'll call you back immediately. Bye. Thank you. Hank? He's agreed to cancel, Steve. The bomb won't go off. All right, boy. You can come down out of that ship. He's opening up. Here he comes. All right, Steve. Come on down. Sure, Hank. Just a second. (sighs) Hank, I was scared. I was plain scared. Easy now. It's all over. The bomb won't go off. Thank God. 
Look, uh, I want to see Mary and the baby. Can you get me transportation now? Well, wait a minute. It's almost 12. They won't let you in the hospital now. I want to see the baby. Sure you do, but you've been under a strain. I've got a shot for you here, Steve. Give you a good night's sleep. All right. Roll up your sleeve. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, that'll make you sleep. Sergeant will find you a bed. Yes, sir. Come on, Mr. Weston. Okay. Good night, Hank. I'm kind of beat. It's been a tough night. It sure has. I thought for a minute he was going to blast those rockets and send us all to Kingdom Come. Yeah. Quite a stunt getting the ray bomb test called off. It isn't called off. But the chief said... Ames couldn't get the chief. I was talking to a dead circuit. Bomb goes off in a couple of minutes. Oh. Poor Steve. He was one of the best. He was the best. One in ten million. Some story of his, poor guy. For a while, he almost had me believing that quarantine. That's a very common delusion. End of the world. Yeah. I suppose so. Ah, it's a nice night. Never saw the stars so bright. We better be getting in. That wind is cold. Well, the bomb goes off in 30 seconds. Poor Steve. You know, Hanson, there's just one thing. Yeah? It's outside my field, but I'm curious. How did he keep that ship in the air for ten hours with only ten minutes' fuel? You have just heard The Outer Limit by Graham Dore, an adventure in time, space, and the unknown dimension. <laughs> Tonight's story, transcribed on Dimension X, The Outer Limit by Graham Dore, was adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Your host is Norman Rose. Music was by Albert Berman. Sound designed by Sam Monroe. Edward King directed. Tomorrow, here's Sam Spade. Now it's Truth or Consequences on NBC. And that's Dimension X from April 8, 1950 with The Outer Limit, starring Joe DeSantis, also in the cast, Joseph Julian, with uh, Norman Rose doing the uh, hosting and Fred Collins announcing as heard on NBC. Hope you enjoyed that. Rocketing off into the future. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. I want every one of our listeners, and I mean, we have like almost a million listeners across the country. I want all of them, all of them to know about Lisa Wolf's website. Oh, it's, I, oh no. Yeah, it's lisawolf.com. And let's blow it up. Let's, let's have everybody just going there and her not even having enough bandwidth to handle 
all of the people going to her website, plus the thousands and thousands of pictures of herself up there. I really haven't updated in a while. I think it might be more important to go to the Hollywood 360 radio Facebook page. Yes. Where we post our schedule and we post some pictures and some studio behind the scenes fun stuff. We should do that right now and post a picture and you guys can check it all out. Yeah, and like us. We'd love it if you'd like us. We have what? How many likes do you have? I don't know. 40 have, million? Uh, we're close to million. 40, 45 million. We might be the number one Facebook page uh, uh, in the world that uh, Zuckerberg or her Zuckerberg or <laughs> Burger, Zuckerberg. Zuckerman or Zuckerberger or whatever his name is. I think we're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he loves us because we have like 40 million uh, Facebook Yeah, friends. but we'd like maybe 50 or so yeah. million. So please so. like us when you go there. And when you go there, let us know what you're thinking, what you'd like, comments, suggestions. Um, what is it? Is it Z- Zuckerberg or Zuckerberg? No, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is making me hungry thinking about a Zuckerberg. A burger? Yeah, he should come out with a whole line of burgers. Zuckerbergers. Mm, yeah. Right. You yeah. should uh, yeah. let him know. Maybe he needs some more yeah. money. He, maybe he needs he another needs par- a new job. He needs a partner. In his business. Okay, we all need some more money. All right. But I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a contest here or a drawing. We ask you to send in a picture of you and your cat, along with your name and your cat's name and your city and state. Just email it to us here at catspridephoto at gmail.com. It's catspridephoto at gmail.com. And then Mike and Lisa will post that picture at our Hollywood 360 Facebook page. And once a month, the CEO of Cat's Pride comes in here, and what does he do? He picks a winner, right? Carl. One person to win an entire year's supply of Cat's Pride cat litter. Wow, very cool. All right, so make sure you send that in. Do it right away, and uh, we give away a year's supply every month, right? Yeah. So you have a great chance to win. Let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, it's hour three of Hollywood 360. Stick around.